This month, Kids Quest has been going through this theme called Power Up. And uh, you heard the one fruit of the Spirit this morning, kindness, as Joseph and Amira did an awesome job sharing with the kids. It was so good to have that as part of our, our gathering today. They've been learning about how the Holy Spirit um, uh, you know, grows us towards characteristics that really reflect the life of Jesus. Love, faithfulness, kindness, uh, gentleness, self-control, patience. This week we learned about kindness. The kids have been learning about this uh, all month, and it's been amazing to see that. And, and they've understood that as the Holy Spirit fills us, he transforms us and he changes us. And we've been learning this month that as the Holy Spirit fills us, that he gives us gifts, that he gives us the capacity, not just in our character, which is so vital, and our posture, but also in how we serve, the gifts that we serve. And so we, you know, gifts like administration or leadership or teaching or knowledge or mercy, that we all have these gifts as the Holy Spirit gives them to us. And so the beauty is I want to kind of bring those two things together because our kids have been learning about the fruit of the Spirit. We've been learning about the gifts of the Spirit. And they really work together in a beautiful way. And they all are possible, the fruit and the gifts, because Jesus made us a promise. Jesus promised us, and he promised his first disciples before he ascends into heaven. For the kids that are here, we sometimes think about heaven as someplace far away. But heaven is like God's home. Heaven is where God dwells. And though we don't see it right now, one day we will. God lives in his space. And, and Jesus said before he went into God's space, into heaven, he left us a promise. And he told his disciples not only to go and be on mission, not only to go and be disciples and make disciples, but he's pro he made this promise. He said, I will be with you always. I will be with you always. And the disciples, when they heard that, they remembered something Jesus said to them before he even died and resurrected. Jesus says, one day I will send another one like me who's going to be like a comforter. And he's going to lead you and guide you into truth. And he's going to remind you of the things I've taught you. And Jesus promised them on that day before he ascended into heaven, he says, I will be with you always. And that was going to happen. Jesus is with us through the presence of God's very own spirit. Jesus made us another promise before he went into God's space in heaven. He promised us that when the Holy Spirit would come, when God's spirit would come and be with us in a long-term, everyday kind of way, that we would receive power. And that when we receive that power, God will make us into witnesses for the world. Like how Joe and Amira, just this last week or the last couple of months, were able to be a blessing, a witness, how sometimes God uses us to share the amazing news and person of Jesus. God empowers us through his Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And the church, the first church experienced this. There wasn't just 12 disciples. In fact, as Jesus goes into God's space and God's into heaven, we understand that there's about 120 followers of Jesus that are told to wait and pray for God's spirit to come. And so they are spending time, these 120 or so, are spending time in a second floor apartment in Jerusalem, waiting and praying and anticipating for Jesus' promise to come true. And so as they're praying and as they're, they're waiting, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, it's right after the first four Gospels in the New Testament, tells us this story. Now, Luke, who writes this story, loves to give us details. And he lets us know that while they're on the second floor and they're praying and waiting, that the Holy Spirit actually comes. 
And the Holy Spirit, this really cool thing happens. I wish we could kind of see it visually, but it's like these little pockets of fire kind of appear on everyone's head in the room as a symbol that the Holy Spirit, you know, God's wind and fire, in a sense, comes upon them. And as this happens, something extraordinary takes place. They start speaking in another language. Actually, many of them speak in different languages. And the amazing thing that takes place, as they start speaking in different languages, they're sharing the story of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the amazing good news of God's story. The people outside the apartment start hearing them. Now, today, the jazz festival is going on downtown Montreal. And if you walk downtown this evening, you will walk into a crowd of hundreds and thousands of people. Well, during that time, when these disciples were in this upper room, upper duplex in Jerusalem, and they were praying, and then the Holy Spirit comes on, and they start sharing this message, there's hundreds or maybe thousands of people outside in the streets because there was a festival going on called Pentecost. And all the Jewish people from the surrounding regions, it's like if everybody from the suburbs of Montreal, like they tend to do, go downtown for the jazz festival and the streets are packed, well, imagine Jerusalem, the streets are packed. And these people with different languages, because they come from different regions, even though they have a Jewish background, they start hearing like God's good news from coming out of this window. And one person hears it in their language, and another person hears it in their language, and another person hears it in their language, and all of a sudden, they start hearing this amazing good news. And Peter gets up, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, he gets up, he gets out, and he starts explaining. Like, they're freaking out. They're like, what's happening? Are you guys crazy? Did you guys drink overnight that you're, like, you're speaking in another language? Like, they actually said that. Are you drunk? And Peter's like, no, 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 no. No one's drunk here. The Holy Spirit has done something beautiful here, and he goes back and he tells them the story of Jesus' coming and Jesus' life and miracles and teachings and how Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and he begins to explain what takes place. And as he explains it, the, the, Luke tells us that the people listening were cut to the heart. Not literally. There was no blood like in Amira's story. But they were, something happened inside their hearts that was so powerful. They actually asked Peter, well, what can we do to get this? What can we do to jump on board? How can we follow this Jesus too? How can we get to know him? Peter describes to them they can repent and start to follow God's ways and believe and, and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. But he describes this in a really cool way, Peter. And I'm going to just share two verses. He goes way back to one of the prophets. One of the prophets' name is Joel. And often Israel, when God worked with the nation of Israel, and Israel would kind of go left and like do something wrong here or wrong here, or maybe stop listening to God or walking away from what God really desired for their lives, God would send these prophets to speak to them. And Joel was one of those prophets. And Joel, hundreds of years earlier, said this to Israel, and Peter picks it up and he shares it with them. And this is what... Peter says, he quotes the prophet Joel, and he says these words in describing what's taking place. And they're on the screen if you want to follow or if you got your Bible with you. Verse 17, Acts chapter 2, he says, In the last days, these days when God's going to work in incredible ways through his church, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he says, Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. 
This was huge. Peter reaches back into Israel's story and picks up what this prophet said because there's something else going on here because there was another prophet. His name was Daniel, and he prophesied to Israel that because they were going far from God's ways, they were going to be in exile away from Jerusalem for 490 years. And the Jews, since that moment of exile, they were looking for a sign. They're like, well, when are we going to get out of exile? When is God going to do something? When is God going to work? When is God going to fulfill all his amazing promises? And the Jews since then were looking for a sign. Peter pulls back and takes these words from Joel and connects it to what's happening on that day during that festival in Jerusalem when the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and sharing God's news. And Peter's basically saying, this is the time. You're here right now. It's fulfilling what you have been looking for all along and how God is going to finish what he started and so Peter lets them know, you're here and you're a part of this. God is starting to fulfill what he promised. And he says, your sons and daughters are going to be part of this. And young men will see visions and, 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 and help propel God's kingdom forward. And old men will dream dreams. They, they won't just be stuck in saying, this is what we always did, or this is what God always did. But they're going to get new dreams saying, oh, God's at work now in fresh ways, and we can be part of it. And he's basically answering the question because he says, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And so to say sons and daughters and young men and old men and women and men, basically in Hebrew, that's kind of saying everybody, all people. See, before, that's a nice tune. That's good. It just distracted me for a second. That's good. I need that sometimes. Like if you want to throw a banana on stage sometimes, it's helpful too. But um, before, God would like use a priest. God would use a king. God would use a prophet. But now, but now all people, and later, Peter says, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody who calls on God's name can get caught up in what God is doing and be used by God. And so I, I thought I'd kind of demonstrate it this way. This is a beach ball. We might use it later if you want. But what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to throw it out to the crowd. Karin is just looking at me like, don't throw it at me, Dave. I saw that look. So I'm going to throw it this way. I won't throw it this way. But uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lightly, like no, this is not volleyball. No one's slamming here. No slam dunks, okay? Nothing like that. I'm just going to throw, remember, there's like fans in the air. Okay, so, so be careful. So we don't want it to go above the lights, okay? That's, so no like smacks like that. Just like, just look, look how simple. Like if you just touch it, it just kind of, like see how it's like just, pop, like just, you see that? Okay, that's all I want you to do. Now what I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out this way and I want us to just keep the ball bouncing. Is that good? We're going to keep the ball bouncing. Don't hog it. Pop it just behind you, beside you, pass it. You get it? Who wants to start us off? Anybody? Okay, you guys are light top. You guys ready? Okay. There you go. Keep, keep it going. Keep it going. Nick, Nick saved us. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, sweet. Everybody reach out. Reach out if the ball comes to you. Reach out, good, good, okay, reach for, yes, if you want, whoa, 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 let's not pop, whoa, oh, shoot, okay, hey, let, let's get it to, Nick is like the savior here, he just keeps saving the ball, okay, let's get it to the aisles, guys, let's, let's let the other people catch, okay, there we go, perfect, perfect.
Do you, I, I feel, they, you guys feel left out, so let's just try you just a bit because you feel... There we go. Okay, that's good. Nice, nice. Sweet. Okay, we are... Oh, perfect. Okay, you can leave it there. Leave it in the crowd. That's cool. Awesome. Okay. This is kind of what I was thinking when this was happening. Ever see like the Alan or Oprah show and they give gifts and they're like, you get a car and you get a car. You know? Okay, but there's no, car seat. there's no car keys under the seats. Sorry, the Ford Edge that had the roof open, you can take that one later. That was, I saw that on the screen. Just joking. I think that was Dave Zotti's car. He wouldn't want that to be stolen. But as you reached for that ball, you know, it's, it's almost like if you wanted to move the ball, you had the choice to reach for the ball. You could have kept your, your hands to yourself, right? The, the, Peter pulls back into Joel, and Joel says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who reaches out for God, will be saved. For those who just kind of keep, keep to themselves and say, I don't, I don't want to be part of what God's doing. I don't, I don't want this rescue thing. I don't want this salvation. That's okay. They're not forced to. But anybody who calls on the name of the Lord, anybody who reaches out for God, God will rescue. God will include. God will welcome. God will transform. And in a sense, the promise that comes with that is I will pour out my spirit. And anybody who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved, you almost hear, and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you receive the Holy Spirit. There's no discrimination of status or gender or who has more money or less money or race or age. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when they say Lord, Peter now is taking what he now knows in Jesus Christ. And it's, yes, the Yahweh of the Old Testament, God, Yahweh, the Lord. But they are saying Jesus is Lord. Whoever calls on Yahweh, who we now understand is Jesus, our King and our Savior, will be saved. And the promise is you can know the God who rescues. You can know the God who heals. You can know the God who invites. And you can experience his rescue and power expressed in Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing promise? Such an amazing promise for all of us. And here's what goes into that. And this is why I want to bring this around today. Because we could talk like for weeks on this text and on this chapter. But did you notice what Joel said would take place in these last days when the Holy Spirit is poured out? And there's this one line I want to just focus on for the last couple of minutes. Because he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I love that. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, in a, in a general way, he's likely meaning the next generation, the next, like, the future of who God's going to use. But it's also saying God's not just going to use the old guard. God's not just going to use the special people he chose, like he saw in the Old Testament, like a king and a prophet and a priest. All who call the name of the Lord will be, can be caught up in what God is doing. And as he pours out his spirit, sons and daughters, young men, Older men, young men, young women, older women. And this idea that God is not just the content with what happened because he's continuing his work and he's going to use a fresh group of people. But think about it. Sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What about the sons and daughters in our church community? What about the next generation in our church community? 
And he says something specific, and two times he uses the word prophecy, once specific to sons and daughters, and then once to everybody, that when God pours out his spirit, then you will prophesy. Now, prophecy could mean a couple of things. It could mean a spontaneous word from the Lord, where the, where the Lord really you know, uh, uh, leads you and guides you and convicts you to share something that needs to be shared in line with God's purposes, obviously. It could also, prophecy could also mean that you speak what God has already said, because it's his word and it's meaningful and we need to hear it. And so it can be spontaneous and it can be something God has already said. But part of it can be that you're spreading a prophet or if you're, if you're involved in prophecy, you're spreading God's message. You're spreading God's word. You're spreading God's news. You see Jesus with clarity and with beauty and then you let other people know about it. You meet Jesus and you experience Jesus and you come to know him and you experience him so powerfully and in a bold way you start sharing that with people. That's, that's part of what prophecy can be. Prophecy can be that you see some of your friends at school and they're being bullied and you see that as not kind. That is an unjust moment where a kid in your school is being bullied and you say, stop that. You're, you're, that's prophecy. You're, that's unjust. And you're saying God would not want this kid to feel hurt and rejection right now and when you say that when you say that's unjust here's what just is that's that's prophecy when people in our church community call us in a greater way to serve the poor or to release the oppressed or to help people that are displaced that's prophecy they're saying these people matter why aren't we doing something about it that's prophecy Prophecy sometimes can be calling someone to repent. You see someone walking this way and every step they take is hurting their life and just far from God's purposes and is, is getting them more entrenched in a life that just feels like bondage. And you say, no, I want to call you to repent out of that. Would you turn around and recognize that that way is just horrible for you and God doesn't want that for your life and you call them to repent and walk the other way. That's prophecy. That's being prophetic. Calling people to point them to Jesus, that's prophetic. And it's this, this beautiful thing that happens that Peter says, and he quotes Joel, your sons and daughters will prophesy. And here's what I want to kind of share, even from my heart as a, as a pastor. God will use the next generation to participate in calling the world to himself. Do you believe that? God will use the next generation to call in calling the world to himself. So I'm seeing Emma sit in between her parents and I'm seeing Jeremy here and Lucas and Noah and all these kids all around here. God's, God wants to use the next generation to participate in calling the world to himself. And so as that beach ball went around and you touched it, let me ask you a question. What might God want to do through you? You reached out for it, right? You touched it. If, if you've reached out for God and he's rescued you and he's poured his spirit on you, let me ask you, what might he wanna, how might he want to use you? How might he want to call you? How might he want to manifest his spirit to you? And I want to say here, all the kids in this room and all the kids in our space this morning and all the kids in our part of our church community, they are called. And you as adults, you are called. How, what might God do through you? And if you're not a kid and you're an adult, how might God, like Sean challenged this morning in, in some way, how might God challenge you to equip the next generation, to serve the next generation, to nurture the next generation, to, to bless the next generation? Because 
I believe God can do something incredible through every, all of us here, including the youngest. I was 19 years old. I was at Vanier College studying music. And that week I was preparing to help uh, some people at my church. A few of us were going to lead worship at youth, at youth that night on a Friday night. And I sometimes participated in worship and music. And so I was in a practice room at Vanier College right here in St. Laurent. And I was practicing my songs for worship that Friday night. I wasn't in church. I wasn't with other Christians. I was in Vanier College. There are all these practice rooms, and people can hear, you know, slightly what you're doing and what you're, what's happening. So I was, I was playing. I was practicing, and this girl walked by who I knew. Her name was Natalie, and she ended up uh, listening from the outside, and then she knocked on the door. She says, would you mind if I come in? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm going to feel a little awkward, but I guess you can uh, listen. And so, so, so she came in, and she sat there, and I, she's like, just do what you're doing, because there was something about it that I wanted to hear. Now, this was weird, because this girl, Natalie, like, I played the piano like this, and she was like, like a 10. Like, she's a beautiful classical pianist, amazing. I sang like this. She was like, amazing voice. So in terms of skill, she was definitely up here, and I was down here. But something caught her heart, and she sat there as I played through some more songs, and I look over, and she starts to, she's crying. She's weeping. She's, something's happening in her, and she said, I don't know what's going on, but the songs you're playing and the words that you're singing, they're doing something inside me. And I just, I was 19 years old practicing in a, practice room in Vanier, dingy little corridor where just, you know, just the musicians hung out. And God's Holy Spirit was active. He was using me in that moment to speak to her. And I thought, can, can God not use a 19-year-old? Yeah. Can God use a 12-year-old? Yeah. A 5-year-old? 21-year-old? Yeah. The Holy Spirit took over. See, and I, wanna, I want us to get this. When the Holy Spirit empowers us, age isn't an obstacle. Age is not an obstacle. Gender is not a requirement. And position is not a qualifier. Can you just read that? When the Holy Spirit empowers us, age isn't an obstacle, gender isn't a requirement, and position isn't a qualifier. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Men and women together, and so as I think about this, and as, as we think about this today, because we're, we're, we're shifting into summer, and we're going to be preparing for the fall season. We had our kids, kids with us today. Youth is taking a little shift for the summer. But I want to keep this in our minds. What might God do through us for the next generation? What might God... And, and here's, here's how I want to call you to this as we clo close in, a, in prayer in just a moment. I want to call us, our church, in a more significant way to ministry to the next generation. We have a ton of kids and young people and a growing uh, youth ministry and even young adults here in our church. God is calling us to ministry to the next generation, to the kids in this room, to youth in this room, to, to young adults in our church community. And that might mean that he's calling you to sign up to help, you know, fill in a spot for the summer because our regular Kids Quest team needs a little bit of a spread out rotation. Maybe he's brewing in your heart to be involved this coming fall in Kids, Kids Quest. Maybe some of our youth, like, like what Sean said, just reaching across the room, being relational. But it might mean, oh, how can I nurture something on Fridays or Sundays or in a more significant way? 
Our young adult community wants to grow and, and connect, and maybe they need some mentorship around that. And you have this sense, this call, ministry to the next generation. I think somehow we have to steward that as a church because God has blessed us with this demographic. Does that make sense? And to call us to it, to call us to ministry that way, to call us relationally to that way, there's no reason, there's no reason why any of us cannot, on any given time that we gather, on Sundays or outside of Sundays, we cannot keep our radar open for kids and youth and young adults. There's no reason why I can't stop and say hi to a kid and encourage them. There's no reason why I can't stop and chat with a youth or a young adult or ask what's going on or how can I pray for you. There's no reason. Relational, that's possible. And our resources to give and steward our funds towards the next generation through um, events and staff and those pieces. But here's the last thing I want to pray for. Not just ministry to the next generation. This is, this is what I think Joel 2 is also getting at. Ministry from the next generation. Why? God was able to use a 19-year-old teenager in a practice room to speak to a girl who, who was way better than me musically, <laughs> vocally, but the Holy Spirit was there, right? What, what if God would want to use a six-year-old in their neighborhood, an eight-year-old in our church to bless other eight-year-olds or ten-year-olds, teens to serve? I believe that we should not just be called to ministry to the next generation, but we should be called to ministry from the next generation, that we become equippers and guides and coaches and encouragers. I'm always amazed as some high schools, the high school my kids were a part of, grade 10 students run the whole leadership camp for grade 7 and 8s. Grade 10s, 15-year-olds, run the leadership camp for 12 and 13-year-olds. They run it all. The games, the opening ceremonies, the closing, the registration, the schedule. They, 15-year-olds run the camp. I'm like, man, if high schools can see the beauty and the potential in a 15-year-old, I think the church can too. And the scripture calls us to that, that in this day, when the Holy Spirit is active among us, our sons and daughters will prophesy and be used by God. Amen? Let's stand and pray for this today. Thanks for letting me go a few minutes over, but I felt like it'd be great for our church to be thinking about these things, moving into the summer and preparing for the fall. God, maybe some of us are surprised to read some of these words in Acts 2. You're not surprised. Lord, the way you would fulfill your purposes, the way you would bring to fruition your promises for your plan and purposes for the world after the death and resurrection of your son Jesus, how you would empower us to call the world partnering with you to yourself, God, to give opportunity to anyone who would call on your name to be saved. God, that you would use any age, any gender, any status, any position. God, may we be open to the work of your spirit in us. God, may we be a church that takes a next step in ministry to the next generation and how we serve and how we organize and how we plan. 
in how we resource and how we give and how we pray and how we connect. And God, may we go a step further. God, would you give us dreams and visions and faith that we not only minister to the next generation, God, but we can be a church that nurtures and equips ministry from the next generation. Oh God, what a powerful thing you could do, God, through our kids and our teens and young adults, God, how high schools and elementary schools and neighborhoods and, and community associations, God, and families can be impacted because you're pouring your Holy Spirit out through every age group. And they serve you in a prophetic proclamation way. God, may we see this happen. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and faith to step into it, God. And help us to trust you and sacrifice forward towards it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.